Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Ready? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that as we learn about thanksgiving and having a heart of, of gratefulness, Father, and, and how powerful this is, Lord, I just pray that your word would minister to us, Lord, and as we hear it, that it would change and renew our minds in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Those of you who have been with us for a little bit, welcome on Facebook and on our website, and uh, if you would like to give, you can do that on either one through our give button there, and... Uh, um, you can also subscribe and, and uh, download our app so that you can have all the, uh, the messages as they come in and you'll get notifications of anything new happening at the church. So, um, by the way, now that, that I'm looking at Gus, we need to put a little thing, a little in the app uh, for the toy drive with some information in there. So, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, Ruby's in charge of that, so if you guys have any questions or anything that... Uh, you would like to know about that, you can uh, see Ruby about that. Thanksgiving. So you can fill this out in your uh, outline. It says, an attitude of gratitude increases the value of everything. An attitude of gratitude increases the value of everything. In John 6, 8 through 13, it says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here, we spoke about this just a minute ago, who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Make the people sit down. Almost sounds like a command, right? Now there was much grass in the place, uh, uh, you know, uh, St. Augustine. So the, <laughs> the men, <laughs> only two or three of you are like getting that. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and then he, he had given thanks. Everybody say, given thanks. His, he, distrib he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with, with the fragments of the five barley loaves in which were left over by those who had eaten. You know, because of his, his gratefulness or his thankfulness of that little boy's lunch, it increased the value of what that was. It's like anything else in life. You don't give value to the things that you own by a monetary, uh, how much you spent to, to purchase that thing. If you drive a $100,000 Mercedes, that Mercedes may be nice, it may drive nice, but it's going to get you to the same place that I'm going to for going in, in my Buick, right? It'll get you, the guy in the Chevy is going to get there too, right? 
The guy in the Mercedes may not be as grateful for his $100,000 Mercedes, but the guy in the $20,000 Chevy may be very grateful. That Chevy just increased in value beyond that Mercedes because the owner is going to take care of it. He's going to wash it. He's going to change the oil when it needs to. Right? The guy in the Mercedes is already looking at the BMW. The guy in the Mercedes is already looking at the, you know, uh, the, the Corvette. He's already looking at something else that's greater. And, you know, people are like that. You buy a car, and three months later, it loses its new car smell. By the way, if you want any advice, don't buy new cars. Sorry if you're a dealer or if you, you know, sell or buy cars, but uh, you lose, depending on, on the price of the car, you lose anywhere between five and $10,000 driving it off the lot. You haven't even driven it yet, and you've already lost money on the car. But you'd buy a used car in, in good condition, and you're going to get it uh, much cheaper, and, and you can negotiate more. But... You know, you buy a new car and you drive it to the light and you're sitting there and, and, you know, for three months you're driving it around, you're nice. And then after about three or four months, you pull up to a light and a guy in another car pulls up and you're like, oh, that's a nice car. <laughs> your car's three, four months old. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but you know that that's true, right? <laughs> you do that. You, you buy a new car and then all of a sudden you're already looking at something else. And, but if you are grateful for the car that you drive, it just increased in value. To you anyway, Right? You ever try to buy something from someone that has an emotional attachment to that thing and they're trying to sell you their emotional attachment? It's, it's worth a hundred bucks, but they want a thousand because, you know, it, it's been in my family for 10 years, you know, 10 generations. And, and, you know, well, it's not worth that. It may be worth that to you. Why? Because they're very grateful for that thing they own. But the person receiving it doesn't want to pay that. Their attitude of gratitude is nowhere near the person selling it. The word thanks here is the word Eucharistio, where we get the word Eucharist, which is what we're going to have today. We're going to have communion today. So Jesus gave thanks for the little boy's lunch, and it increased the value of what he had. He only had lunch for one, and yet it increased the value to the point of feeding over 5,000. Instead of complaining about not being able to feed the multitudes, what did he do? He gave thanks. The disciples are like, send them into the city. Get them out of here. Let them go eat. We don't have enough to give them to eat. They were all worried and complaining. And Jesus, no, no, no. Just give thanks. So we need to follow the example of Jesus and not those that complain about what they don't have and be thankful about what they do have. <laughs> Thanksgiving minus complaining equals peace. You can fill that out in your paper there. Thanksgiving minus complaining equals peace. Oh, I need the peace. I need peace from God. Oh, I need such peace. Oh, we pray the peace that surpasses all. I need peace. Be thankful. Be thankful. Stop complaining. You'll all of a sudden have peace. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, I'm going to read it in the New King James and also in the message. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, say everything. Everything give thanks. In the things that make you feel good, in the things that are good. No, it says everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Look at it in the message. Be, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. <laughs> give Thank God, no matter what happens. Sometimes stuff happens. Oh, God. And we want to go complain to God. This spouse, this wife you gave me. None of the guys laughed. They're very good. You guys are, you guys are catching on. 
No, I don't know what he's talking about, baby. I love you, you know. I never complain about you. Really. I didn't work those extra hours last week to stay away from you. Really, I didn't. <laughs> right? Or you complain about your car, or you complain about whatever you own, or where you live, or your house. Keep complaining. You're going to stay right there. You'll never have peace. You'll never move beyond where you're at unless you're grateful for what you have. There's a teaching by uh, uh, Miles Monroe, who has, has gone to be with the Lord in, in a plane accident uh, several years ago. And he, he's written some great books about moving from poverty and being thankful and how to, how to and this particular message was uh, in 2000, he preached this message. I actually have a, a CD of it. And you, it's very grind. You can barely hear it. You got to kind of turn it up. It wasn't recorded very well, but it's called How to Attract Plenty. I don't like the, the title. I would have called it something else, but it's called How to Attract Plenty. And he talks about this. He says, you know, we want a new car, but we don't take care of the one we have. We want a new house, but we don't paint the one we have. We don't clean the one we have. Our closets are full of clutter. We have, you know, and we don't take care of what we have. And yet we're asking God, why would God entrust us with something better and new if we can't take care of the one we currently have? He does it in, in, you know, in his awesome voice that he has in his little accent. I really enjoy listening to him. I miss him. But, man, and then he has another book called uh, Burden of Freedom. And it talks about how people live in poverty and they're not able to move out of poverty because they have this poverty mentality and they have this generational curse that they continue to live in poverty. We have to learn to be able to say, I'm grateful for what I have, but I know God has more for me. I'm not, I'm not despising what I own or, or what I have or what God has provided for me. You know, the poorest person in the United States is richer than 85% of the rest of the world. We're talking homeless people. We're talking the poorest person in the U.S. at least has a meal or two a day. There's places in the, in the, in the uh, world right now where children go two or three days without food. We can't go two or three meals. Some of us have some, you know, spare going on there, but uh, we couldn't go more than a meal without, right? We could spare a meal or two, and, but we don't. Why? Because it's, it's readily available to us. We should be grateful. I'm grateful to be in this country, Lord. You will never move forward in life until you are thankful for where you are. See, Adam and Eve were not thankful for the garden because they ate from what they were not supposed to. If they would have been grateful for everything else in the garden, they wouldn't have eaten. Somebody would have eventually. I would have probably... You guys going to leave me? I would have probably eaten. Somebody would have probably... Somewhere along the line, you know, Cain or Abel, somewhere along the line, somebody would have gone to that tree that they keep telling me I can't eat from. But if they would have been grateful for everything else that was provided for them, that tree wouldn't have been an issue. But they weren't. They wanted what they couldn't have because they weren't grateful for what they did have. See, some of us uh, uh, pick restaurants according to the portions that they give. Oh, we got to go to this place, man. Their portions are... We got to go to Hash House of Go-Go and you ever been, anybody ever been to Hash House of Go-Go? Kyle's going to raise his hand back there and, and Ryan, right? They're, they're poor, you, could, you could order fried chicken and split it between three people. I mean, their uh, chicken pot pie is like a, a Mexican hat. It's like this big. Literally, it, it sits tilted like that, and they stuff it with, the, with that whatever the gooey stuff they put in it, right? It's like this big. We went out to eat there for uh, uh, Kyle's bachelor party i think it was and um 
His dad ordered that, and I think he ate it for like three days. He took, he took like a quarter of it, you know, he ate a quarter of it and took the rest of it home. But people go there, oh, because the poor, and why do you want big portions? He says, I want to eat, man, I want to get, right? We got to learn, and look at me here talking about that, right? <laughs> the, <laughs> that was not nice. At all. I'm going to preach the rest of the time like this. I don't know how long I can do that for. Can you see it back here? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 reads, Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, my love, humility, <laughs> meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone, gotta let me get through this, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. This scripture is so powerful because it covers all these things, and then it says, and be thankful. I'm going to explain that. I was about to explain it, but I'm going to explain it after I read Philippians 4. We see Paul writing this letter to the church in, in Colossae from uh, prison where he had heard that there were a false prophet and doctrinal issues in the church at the time. He writes this letter to correct some things in the church so that the Christians of the time would not lose their testimony. Sound familiar? He begins by calling them the elect of God, holy and beloved, and then tells them how to properly behave that they would be known as the church of God and not the mixture of Judaism and heathen philosophy that was in, the, in those churches of the time in that region. Same as uh, in, in the uh, churches in Galatia. If you read through there, it says they were preaching right at the beginning in chapter 1. It says they're preaching two gospels, and one gospel is not the gospel at all because they were mixing Judaism with Christianity and trying to say they're still by some of these works that you have to do. I understand that Christ paid it all, and, but we still have to get circumcised. I, I still understand that, but we still have to do this. And, and, and they were like, no, 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 you, you, you mixed it all up. And, and, you, and we do that today. We do that today. But he says, and be Thankful. Being thankful separates us from the world. It makes us godly and a good representation of who God is. If we're not thankful, we, become, uh, we come across as spoiled brats and we don't represent God very well. See, we have, in the United States, you could probably say just about everyone. Unless they're living in the mountains somewhere and they, you know, they were born up there and they never came down. But just about everyone has heard about Jesus. Everyone has heard the gospel. Everyone knows about church. Everyone, just about everyone, you can say. But everyone doesn't have the same perception 
or vantage point of what Christianity really is. They all think differently. But they really shouldn't because if the church were thankful and grateful, then we would represent God better than what we do now. It's not a bummer message. I don't want you to get all bummed out about it, but we need to make an adjustment because if we're grateful for what we have and who we are, then we won't push and pull. If we're, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> I got to be careful because I'm on, I'm on live here, but, you know, sometimes... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still... I, I come out here and I think my wife's looking at my belly and now I'm uncomfortable. I've been in a weird mood the last couple of weeks. You should have seen me here on Wednesday. I was telling redneck jokes. But during prayer, forgive me, Lord. Where was I? Thankfulness. If we're grateful for the people that, like, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful to be part of this church. Therefore, I will never do anything to harm you or manipulate you or, or try to get you to do something that you're not comfortable with. So here we are back at money again, right? Well, it's this pastor, all, all he talks about. But you notice that when I do talk about it, I'm not asking you for anything. I sense that the Holy Spirit is, gonna, uh, uh, is saying that someone here is going to write a check for $10,000. Listen, that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And if I'm grateful to be part of this body, then I don't have to do that. Is that true? Am I preaching right? Am I preaching okay? If that's true, then, then I'm not going to treat anybody differently than anybody else. Because one gives more than the other. Who cares about that? I know it sounds funny to say who cares about that. But listen, God, if God was a billionaire, he gave it all. If he was a trillionaire, he gave it all. He didn't keep any of it. He didn't stay in his mansion. He didn't keep his nice cars in his garages. He, didn't, no, he gave it all. Why? Because he gave his only begotten son. I was watching a show last night, and the, the parents uh, were trying to get money together for an operation for their child. And uh, um, the one man was uh, friends with a guy that was a millionaire. And he asked him for the money, and the guy says, yeah, sure, no problem. And they got into a conversation. He says, what if your child would have this? He goes, I would give every penny. I would give up all my riches. I would give up my company. I would give up my cars. I would live on the streets if I could have my son alive. And I was like, I, I, under, I get that. I understand that. See, but God went beyond that. And he gave his son to pay the ultimate price for me. <laughs> Knowing right well that I was going to run the streets, that I was going to do things I shouldn't be doing, that I was going to, you know, hurt other people, that I was going to treat people, I was going to, that I was going to do all these horrible things for the, the 19 years of my life that I ran with the devil on a highway to hell, right? And I did all the things that I did back then. He knew, and yet he still gave his son. Wow. What a price he paid. What a price he paid. We should be... People that are thankful, that are grateful. The prescription, you can fill this out, the prescription for anxiety is thanksgiving. If you're going to quote it, you've got to put my name on it, it's mine. The prescription 
For anxiety is thanksgiving. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. I'm going to explain something that it says in Colossians at the end. It says, and be thankful. And watch here in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Here's the word, with. Everybody say with. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. No anxiety there. The word with is the word meta, which means after or behind. Thanksgiving is Eucharistia, which we spoke of earlier, which is rich with grace. The giving of thanks comes from two root words. Eu, which is well off or rich with, and charis or charistia, which is grace, rich with grace, with richness in grace. So charis, which is the word grace, says grace, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, favor of the merciful kindness of which God, exerting his holy influence upon our souls, that's where anxiety is, right? Turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to, to the exercise of the Christian virtues. Thanks for benefits, services, favors, recompense, and reward. So the word with, which is meta, puts thanksgiving before everything. So in the way that it's written, in this uh, portion of scripture, it says with thanksgiving after everything else. But the word with puts it before. So the word puts thanksgiving before everything. So your prayer supplication should always come with thanksgiving in the forefront. This in turn will change how you approach God and will cure your anxiety. See, when you have, they have this thing now going around this Amish friendship bread. Okay, Nelly, don't get offended, okay? This is awesome. You make this mixture, and you put it in a bag, and you hand it to the person. You say, this is friendship bread, and you get to make bread. I'm giving this to you. But then, <laughs> let me see that. Okay, so this is a gift. It looks like somebody ate bread, and then, no. Okay. So this is my friendship bread. I love you, so I'm going to give you friendship bread. And I'm going to give you a recipe to go with my Amish friendship bread. So this is, what is this called? The starter. Thank you. This is the starter. (laughs) Yummy. This is the starter. So now to this, I have to add several cups of flour, some eggs, a baking soda, baking powder. I have to add milk. I'm basically making bread. Without this. Could I not make bread with all those ingredients without the starter? I would add cinnamon, sugar. This thing takes like two cups of sugar. It's like, what? Oh, there's yeast in here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. My wife made it the other day and she said, I did something wrong, but it tasted like cake. It was so good. You should do it wrong every time. This is why. 
She makes cake. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, so now we have a recipe, right? We have something that we have to do. So this is your starter. Thanksgiving is your starter. Thanksgiving is where you start from, not what you add into the recipe at the end. This worked very. Thank you for bringing this in. I appreciate it very much. No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so if, if you start everything with Thanksgiving, what, what does that do to your prayer? It changes how you pray. If, you, if your supplication, which basically means just in your asking of God, if you start with Thanksgiving, then you're already moving into his presence with a heart of Thanksgiving. Not, oh, Lord, I'm so hungry. I need this and I need that. And my car, it blows smoke out the back. And, you know, oh, man, my AC, my, my uh, 4x60 AC. You know what 4x60 AC is? I had it for many, many years in my car. Four windows down at 60 miles an hour. 4x60 AC. That's what it's called. I had, that's the AC I had for many, many years. And I, listen, my first car, my dad gave me a, a, my first car. It was all full of dents. It had been wrecked and rusted, and, and I think somebody even spray-painted ouch on the, on the fender. It had, it had no, no headliner on it. Um, the, the power steering went out on it, and that's where I got these from, because I drove it without power steering for like a year. Man, I was just so happy to be able to get to where I needed to go and to do my job and, and to pay for my bills. I was so happy. It changes everything, and because I was happy... The company I work for decided to give me a company car, brand new. I sold the car that we had for exactly what I bought it for, 500 bucks. I drove it for a year and sold it for 500 bucks and ended up with a brand new van that we ended up using to go to Disney because we were being blessed at the time because we were just so grateful to have whatever we had. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment. Our, our mattresses on the floor, we had... One couch and a, 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 what do they call that baby thing that, um, that, like a little playpen thing. That's where Erica slept, in the living room. That's how we started. We had two plates, two cups. We ate with our hands now. We had forks and... I was much skinnier back then. I actually was. We got married. I was 150 pounds, babe. Remember that? But every stage of our life, we were grateful. We were just so thankful for anything that we had. I had to learn that. She was already like that. She was raised very poor, upper middle class. Had everything I ever wanted. We had lobster in the fridge. We drank Perrier was our water. It's just sparkly water, and you know you get different flavors and stuff. Perrier's, it's like you know you buy a, a dollar bottle of water. That and by the way, smart water doesn't make you smarter, and the water's not smart either. But the you know you have that dollar, two dollar, whatever it is like that. The Perrier for two dollars you get a little teeny bottle like this big. You, get, you know one one gulp and you're done. So we had, we, we, I was blessed and I'm grateful that I was. My, my parents worked very hard and, and uh, my dad worked very hard and we always had everything. We had a house with a pool and, and uh, I, I was, I'm very grateful for my upbringing. But my wife, my wife was raised in Brazil and it was a little different over there and 
there, you know, there were five, and her mom adopted a couple of them, and so, you know, there were a bunch of kids running around, and, and her dad was a taxi driver, and her mom did uh, a sewing. She made dresses and stuff, and, uh, you know, so they, they would celebrate. Let me know if this is wrong. You would celebrate a, one birthday a year. So every, you would only celebrate your birthday every seven years because you would have to go through the siblings to get to your birthday. And on your birthday, you would get soda and a cake. And a cake. That was it. And the, the funny thing about the cakes over there is actually made with mashed potatoes and ground beef. So it's not a sweet cake, it's a savory cake. And it's, it's, I've had it, in fact, uh, torta it's called. And I've had it there during, they brought it out. I was like, that's a cake? He says, yeah, and we cut it open. I said, there's beef in here. <laughs> it's mashed potatoes. It was delicious. It was really good. But so she was, so everything that she had here in the, in the States after being raised, she was grateful for. And I watched her. And I, I said, man, I could... I would just, I felt bad providing what I was providing for her after being the way that I was being raised. I was like, man, we, were, we weren't in a great neighborhood. If you know Miami, I was, we were on 7th Street between Lejeune and 57th Avenue, 49th Avenue. It was called, yeah, I won't say that on the thing, but it wasn't a good neighborhood. The cemetery was right across the street from us. And, uh, and, and I just, I felt horrible. Like, this is what I'm providing for my family and and she was just all so happy. Took a bus to work every day. She worked for some people there. And she took a bus. Three, okay. She took three buses. She, took, she rode three buses and walked 18 miles with no shoes on. To, uh, and a train. She took the metro rail, too. The, yeah, she did, she did carry Erica around with her, uh, you know, and, and to make a little extra money so that we could, you know, we could make do. And, uh, but we were thankful. And because of that thanksgiving, we were able to become who we are today. And we're still thankful, and we're believing that God's going to continue to move us forward. Be thankful. Put that before everything. Meta. Thanksgiving before everything. Don't let your giving of thanks become dull or powerless. You can fill this in. Thanksgiving should be shot out of a cannon. Thanksgiving should be shot out of a cannon. First Chronicles ch uh, chapter 16, verse 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Right? Thank you, Lord. Not, thank you, Lord. I, I'm just so thankful, Lord. I mean, if that's, if that's your shot out of a cannon, I'm not making fun of you, then that's great. But, man, you should be thankful. Not, oh, thank you, Lord, for this. You know. No, thank you, Lord. Right? It's an exclamation mark there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. When you sit around your Thanksgiving table and you got your family around that are non-Christians and they've already had a couple of drinks, do that. We're going to pray now. Thank you, Lord! <laughs> right? They might not drink anymore the rest of the day. We're going we're gonna to pray now. Let's pray. Everybody hold hands. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Woohoo! <laughs> it is not a dribble off your lip or something you just drop by your feet. You shoot it like from a bow and arrow or a cannon. It's not a thank you, Lord. It's a thank you, Lord. Amen? Thanksgiving will keep you next to your master. Thanksgiving will keep you next to your master. 
Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and says, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. I can't explain all that, but this is a big deal what he's asking them to do. The, the priests were not allowed, the lepers were not allowed to even be in the city, nevertheless near a priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, say one of them, one of them, one out of ten, ten percent, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his fate at his feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan's a mixed breed. They weren't supposed to be around these people. He fell down at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. So Jesus answered and said, were, not, were there not ten of you? Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this mixed breed? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Who are you giving thanks to? Right? I'm giving thanks to God and Jesus. So that's going to keep me next to my master because I'm grateful. Every time something happens that's good, I'm going to go back to my master. Listen, I'm going I'm to uh, uh, rock your world for just a moment. I don't care how hard you work. You're not getting what you deserve. If you go to a job because, what, because you're trying to get paid what you think you're worth, no one can afford you. No one can afford you. If you go and get a job to get paid for what that job pays for, for whatever that job does, then yes, if it's, you know... $30,000 a year to, to do this or, or $50,000 a year to manage a, a small company or whatever the, the price is, then that's what you get paid for. Don't ever go and ask somebody to pay you what you're worth because they can't. They can't because we are worth so much more than just what we're getting paid for. See, if we stop thinking that way, then we realize my no matter how hard I work, when I get that check, what do I do? Thank you, Lord. Well, wait a minute. Didn't you just work 40, 50 hours a week? Didn't you just, you know, put up with a bunch of nonsense? From, not you guys, other people that I minister to. Didn't you just put up with a, a bunch of nonsense? Didn't you just get a bunch of calls? And, and didn't you get people that, that just, you know, that don't like you? Didn't, didn't you get threats? Didn't you get threats on your life and everything? All the, you're, aren't you having a rough week? You deserve that paycheck. And it's all about me. That paycheck will stay the same. But when I hold it up to the Lord and I say, thank you, Lord, what happens to that? It multiplies. Maybe not by the place that I'm working or the place that I'm putting my hours in. And they're give, you never know where God can, can bring uh, finances into your life through. Don't limit yourself to what you're doing. I work hard for my money. I work hard for my money. Hard for my money. I'm trying to remember the rest of the words. <laughs> glad to see the lights. Something like that, right? 
You got to get that mentality out of your mind. Because then you're going to get exactly what you deserve for what you work for. And you're not going to be thankful. But Lord, I work, I get this paycheck, and I know that you give me the ability to be able to work. You give me you know, the mind and the, and the body, and, and I get to do this. I have a car that, that, that yes, yes, yay! She's back there clapping at me. I got, I got one. She understands what I'm saying. She's distracting me because she's so cute. She's going, yay! But man, if we, if we were thankful for what we had, you'd have a lot more. And not necessarily by the place that you work. Okay, let me keep going. There we go. It's talking about money again. Thanksgiving will keep you next to your master. All right, I have a short story, and then we're going to pick up. Uh, um, we're not going to pick up. We're going to give out uh, communion. Uh, my wife and I will will do this side, and uh, Pastor Curly and Elder Barb will serve over there in just a minute. If you just stay where you're at, uh, you may have heard this story before. It was told by Scott Webb. Uh, he's a preacher in Alabama. He has a Rama church there. And uh, he used to be a uh, Alabama highway trooper, and he left that to become a pastor. And he lived out in, in a farm area down a dirt road. There was a ditch. You know, you go down those dirt roads, and they have these ditches for water and things like that to keep, you know, stuff uh, from piling up. But he would, he would drive home, and he had this, uh, he had a couple of dogs that he got from puppies, they gave them to him when they were puppies. And he had this fenced-in, he had a, a concrete area and a fenced-in. And he would put the dogs in there, and he, they would be there all day long. And then he would get home from work, and he would let them loose. That way they're, they're not either in the house or they're not getting away because he had acreage. He had a lot of, a lot of property. So he's there, and, and he would get home, and he'd open the cage. And the dogs would take off down. You know, he lived on a couple acres, so they probably ran a half acre to the fence that was by the road. And there was a ditch and a little bridge to get into his property. And the dogs would run up to the fence and run up and down the fence, up and down the fence, up and down the fence. Cars would go by, they bark, they run. They had destroyed the, the ground there by the fence because the two dogs would just take uh, their whole life. That's all they did. And they grew up and they got big. And every day he would get home and he would let them out. They'd run to the fence. He'd sit on his front porch with his tea, you know, iced tea and sit there and relax for a few minutes while the dogs ran up against the fence. One day on his way home from work, or, uh, from church, He's driving down the dirt road, and there's, in the ditch, there's a dog. So he goes to, the, to get the dog. He goes to look at the dog, and the dog is still alive. So he picks up the dog. In, he's from Alabama, so he has a truck. He picks up the dog, and he puts it in the back of the truck, and he takes him to the vet. And then at the vet, they you know, give him whatever they had to do. I think he had a broken leg and stuff. So they, they take care of him, and they do what they needed to do, and the dog recovers. Now the dog is healthy and it's, it's good. It's just a mud, a regular dog. And he brings the dog and he puts it in the cage with the other two dogs that he's had since they were puppies. So he gets home from work and he's got the three dogs in the cage. And, you know, now he's all excited. He's got another dog and the one he rescued. And he opens the cage and he runs and you know, goes into the house and he grabs his tea. And he walks out and he sees two dogs choo, 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 up against the fence. And he's like... Where's the third dog? Where's the one that I found in the ditch? And he looks down next to the rocking chair on the front porch was the dog. And he sat there and the dog would look up at him. That dog was very grateful for what his master did for him. The other two dogs only knew being with their master. They didn't know what it meant to be on the other side of the fence. And to be run over by a car. Yeah. And to be thrown into a ditch. Yes. And left for nothing. Yes. 
but they were still curious about what was on the other side of that fence. And here's this dog rescued from the ditch on the other side of the fence. And all he wants to do is sit next to his master because he was grateful. We need to learn to be grateful and be thankful for what God did for us. And that's why today we're going to have communion and we're going to have Eucharist, Thanksgiving. And we're going to be thankful for how God brought us out of the ditch and brought us into his fenced-in area to protect us and keep us and, and, and provide for us. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.